brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. There's been an overwhelming amount of really awful news over the last few weeks. Back at the start of the semester, we had this tragic death of a student who committed suicide right on our campus at Montclair State University. Then two weeks ago, four students from my college alma mater, Sales University, were involved in a car crash which left three of those young people dead and the other still in critical condition. And then just a few weeks ago, one of our, our former students from the Newman Center at Montclair State shared how her three-year-old niece had fallen into a swimming pool, nearly drowned, and has been waging this long, still uncertain battle in hospital ever since, and all these surgeries and everything ever since. After a year where seemingly everyone around the world has been suffering, whether physically from the COVID sickness or all the horrible tentacles that stem from that, the last thing we need is more tragedy and sadness. Unfortunately, life doesn't offer some protective cover when we think we've maxed out with what we can handle. 
whether reading those stories on the newsfeed or in an attached email or message to me with the words, I'm struggling, Father, to maintain my faith, always stops me in my tracks because I know it's a vulnerable moment. They're looking for God. They're looking to make sense of something that doesn't. They're looking for answers. Some might be looking for a miracle. And when I started reading today's gospel, I wondered if that was what was drawing these two Greeks who asked, we would like to see Jesus. It's never really clarified who they were, what it was that was drawing them, especially since even though they were Jews, they were Greek, so they were considered outsiders to the Jews. Yet they want to see Jesus. How would they have even known about him? Well, Jesus' fame, healing lepers, curing blindness, feeding thousands with just a few loaves and fish, raising people from the dead. That kind of stuff catches people's attention and that news spreads. And so often in the Gospels, when it's an unexpected individual, when it's an outsider that's showing up, they're looking for something more than just a glimpse of Jesus. So Jesus' words to these newcomers today was probably unexpected. He's very much focused on his passion and his death on the cross. The almost philosophical introduction of talking about grains of wheat needing to fall, loving life and losing it, hating life in this world to gain eternal life, probably wasn't what they were expecting or maybe even wanting. And I wonder if that's true for many of us, for that matter. We could probably best relate to what Jesus says when he says all this revelation is troubling. We're entering into the most challenging part of Lent this Sunday, these last two weeks, which are often called Passion Tide, since the focus is now primarily on the suffering and death of Jesus. The hour has come, Jesus says in today's Gospel. There's a shifting now for Jesus to accomplish his task. And as his disciples who have heard his invitation to come and follow him, that poses some challenging questions. Can we accept suffering? Can we deal with loss? Can we embrace the cross? I shared with one of the individuals that emailed me a personal story from my high school senior year. I had just gotten my driver's license and three days later went out with three of my friends. And the excitement wasn't in the plans for the night. We were seriously simply going to see this new film that had just come out called Home Alone. I realized how lame and nerdish that sounds. I digress. But the excitement was in the freedom and the independence. Well, sadly, being an inexperienced driver, particularly at night, picking up the last of my three friends in an unfamiliar part of the town, which had this heavy tree cover, wasn't very well lit, and I started back out on the road and didn't even realize I had entered into an intersection. I never even saw the stop sign. I was so focused on the main road that was two intersections away. Well, the next thing I knew, there was a car coming from the left, coming right at us, and hit me causing our vehicle to spin until we were on the side of the road. Myself and two of my friends didn't have a scratch on us, but my one friend who was sitting right behind me 
was on the side of the road, seemingly lifeless. And the way it sticks in my memory, when she finally started to breathe, I was able to breathe again. But the horror was far from over. She would have to be helicoptered to University Hospital in Newark. She would end up with numerous surgeries, intensive care unit. Here she had been the top-ranked kid in her class academically. She was class president, and now no one could even give us a prognosis for the short or long term. And the day after this happened, I remember overhearing a relative of mine talking to my parents, saying, you see, that's why I don't believe in God. How could this happen to Jim? He's a good kid. How many hours does he spend at St. Agnes every week? And this is what happens? All of 17 years of age, it had to have been the Holy Spirit because instantly the thing that came into my head was, God didn't do this to me. This, this was my fault. He wasn't driving. I was. But he's the only one who was going to get me through this. Those words were there in my mind and my heart. I only wished I had been able to say, say them to this, friend, this loved one of mine at that time. Because the truth of the matter was, God did do that for me. There wasn't a miraculous restoration the next day. No, my friend went through months of hospitalization. She missed the rest of her junior year. She had to repeat that year as she underwent physical therapy, while I, for the first time in my life, needed mental therapy just to deal with the fear and the guilt that was there. And there was tension, there was lawsuits, there was awkwardness among our friend group, and being a a small high school of about 600 students, it seemed to involve everyone. Not because anyone was even being uncharitable or unreasonable, it just was part of the horror of that night. And I can't even imagine what the recovery physically and emotionally was like for my friend. And it took years for me to recognize how much that guilt weighed on me and colored so many of my thoughts and patterns and actions. And it took almost two decades for my friend and I to get together alone, face to face, when she had reached out and asked if we could talk. I remember feeling anxious since the last time we had seen each other was a couple months after the accident had occurred and she had been transferred from the hospital to a rehabilitation center. And I could tell that she had started to get her memory back. She started to piece together. I was the driver of the car. I was responsible for the accident, which left her there. And I could tell she was getting upset. So not wanting to cause any more distress, that was my last visit. So two decades later, I really wasn't sure what to expect and was shocked when she apologized for, as she put it, acting cold to me that day in the rehab. Honestly, I made peace with all that and never even held on to that episode, figuring the fact that she made a recovery, she was able to rebuild her life. That was all I had ever prayed for the night of the accident. Her gentleness and her love and her humility was just an unexpected and precious gift. My point in sharing this is that people are understandably looking for someone to have the answer when tragedy strikes, when we go through times and seasons where everything seems to be going wrong, when we feel the weight from fear and uncertainty and heaviness from illnesses or losses. Sadly, so many not finding one can reject God. 
can turn to things to numb themselves, drugs or alcohol. They can fall into despair and depression. There isn't a quick, easy, right, perfect answer to suffering and grief and pain and death that we endure. The only answer is the cross. Jesus recognizes this complicated mystery. Again, he tells us he's troubled as the cross comes into view for him. And it's a point of decision for him. We heard his words. Yet, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was this purpose that I came to this hour. Jesus knows the trials, the suffering, the death that are a part of every human story. Since brokenness first entered our story, back in that garden where two of our first, first humans didn't trust God, rebelled against him, and set off a whole chain reaction that we still see unfolds to this very day. Whenever self-centered thoughts, whenever selfish impulses, when pride dictates my thoughts and my words and my actions, and I obscure God's divine image within. Jesus has come to set things right, to save us from sin and from death, from ourselves and our worst impulses. This is the hour he has come for as he decidedly and confidently relies on his Father as he calls out, Father, glorify your name. And it's then that a miracle happens. God the Father's voice is heard. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Interestingly, St. John, the Gospel writer, points out that even though the crowd heard it, immediately some said it was thunder, some said an angel spoke. The evil one is always lurking around trying to undermine God. Maybe the ones who didn't hear it didn't want to hear it because they don't want the cross. Cures of leprosy, restoration of sight, free bread and fish, raising the dead, that's all great, but not the cross. But as I've said before, those cures, those restorations, they didn't prevent future illnesses. The crowd that feasted on an abundance of free bread and fish, they got hungry again one day. And the people that Jesus raised from the dead eventually succumbed to death again. Unless there's some 2,000-plus-year-old person walking this earth that we don't know about. Those miracles were all amazing at the moment, but they were only for the moment. The cross where Jesus is lifted from the earth is meant to cause us to look up. To look up away from the things of this world, the things of this life, the things that so often we attribute such great value and worth to, and see Jesus, hearing how God glorified his name on the cross and how he continues to in our lives. That doesn't mean we have to pretend it doesn't hurt or that we like the cross. Think of what St. Paul wrote to the Hebrews in that second reading. Christ Jesus offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. It's not undermining in the face of trial and sadness and despair to cry out 
as long as we know who to cry out to. Can we accept suffering? Can we deal with loss? Can we embrace the cross? We can, because Jesus could. And he promises to continue to as he remains with us in every suffering, as he comforts us with every loss, as he walks and helps us to embrace every cross. Trusting that as he does, we will experience God the Father's promised glory.